0: Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio, talk, radio Show. talk Show.
1: All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans, Sam Bushman and Kirk Cosby, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that network refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This is the broadcast for August the 10th of the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and absolutely we're convinced. The checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Yes, indeed, we're live six days a week. On the Sabbath, we rest. On Saturday, I had an incredible two hour interview. Special two hour guests, if you will Ammon Bundy and Richard Mack. And uh, we talked about Clive and Bundy and Sons win appeal, got Ammon's take on it. We talked about socialism will bankrupt America. Yeah, believe it or not, a team at the American Heritage Foundation put together an exclusive nine page ebook. I guess it's the nine ways socialism will morally bankrupt America. Amen to that. We talked about we are in serious trouble when the immoral counterculture becomes the culture, folks. We talked about the North Carolina rep, Mark Walker, called on Jerry Falwell Jr. to step down as president of Liberty University after a viral video, I'm sorry, a viral photo surfaced. I guess he had his arm around a woman, uh, was not his wife, and he had his pants unzipped. Um, I don't even know how to respond to this. Anyway, he supposedly he has taken a leave of absence from the university. What a sad tale to tell. Like I say, we are in serious trouble when the immoral counterculture becomes the culture, folks, is the point. We talked about Judge Zanin Perrault, the apparent corruption with the National Rifle Association, NRA is no big deal, she says, and does not justify it being dissolved. Again, the counterculture in question, the NRA. I guess they took a bunch of the money and went on lavish trips and had a great time, and da 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 da. You know, I don't know the truth on that. I just know that the folks over at Gun Owners of America and others have done some research on the NRA, and the organization wasn't even founded to protect your God-given inalienable rights to keep and bear arms. Uh, a lot. People say that the NRA was designed to capitulate at the last moments and at the most opportune times to eventually destroy your right to keep and bear arms. So who knows? With Amon Bunny and crew, we asked the question, Could we prosecute the prosecutors, especially the abusive ones that disobey the law? They're criminal. They're acting on their own outside of the scope of law and everything else. Criminal behavior by the prosecutors. Amon Bunny said good luck with that. They have immunity. You'll never get it done. Our prayers are that we can have accountability somewhere, somehow. Can we create a constitutional covenant community? We talked about that, and I sure pray we can. That was our one hour, two. too. I'm sorry, the good Sheriff Richard Mack and Hammond Bundy continued into the second hour. We talked about Jerry Sheridan beats Joe Arpaio for GOP nomination. Richard Mack says it's a good thing Jerry's more constitutional. I like that. Sorry, Joe. Ammon Bundy stands in support of Black Lives Matter and their effort to defund the police. Aspen Stoddard wrote the piece. We defend Ammon Bundy, ladies and gentlemen. We are all God's children. When are we going to start acting like it? We talked about that in great detail. Now, listen, it doesn't matter if you agree with Ammon Bundy or not on his desire to support Black Lives Matter and their defunding of the police. A lot of people believe that, uh, you know, Ammon wanted to join Black Lives Matter and, and Ammon clarifies in detail on the radio on Saturday, two days ago. It's up online at lovingliberty.net. Check it out. But anyway, he's not joining Black Lives Matter, and he doesn't agree with everything they say or do. He's just simply saying when they they want to defund the police, they're right. And I agree. I warned Ammon a little bit about when you back groups like this, their evil leadership, you know, can co-opt you and get you involved in things you may not be. Okay. You know, and you need to be very careful with that. Ammon's response is, I'm not worried about my reputation. To me, it's not necessarily about a reputation as much as it is about um, the company you keep. You know, there's a lot of Black Lives Matter people that are, I'm sure, great people, as Ammon wisely points out. And we do need to reallocate money and take money away from every branch of government. Cops are no exception. But you know what? Terms mean different things to different people. And we want to be very careful when we say defund the police that we articulate what we mean, not what they mean. Okay, so to me, I'd get rid of all the appointed police departments for sure. I'd get rid of all the federal cops and all that, you know, FBI or, the, you know, education department or the IRS all having guns and being deputized and or, you know, federal cops, if you will, armed to the teeth. All that's got to go for sure. But I'm not really for completely defunding the, the constitutional sheriff or the sheriff's department, for that matter, okay, because they are elected, not appointed. I am for de-escalation training and reallocating some money. Uh, I am for defunding uh, the government so that they don't send military hardware to the local police departments or the local sheriff departments. So I'm for some reform and for some change and for some serious defunding across government as a whole. But I don't know that when I say that and Black Lives Matter says that, that we all mean the same thing. So I warned Ammon that we need to be very careful. Let me give you an example. A guy goes to a party. They're all smoking dope at the party. The gentleman is wise and doesn't smoke any dope with them, But he does grab the cigarette and pass it along. No harm, no foul. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't smoke any pot. He just, you know, politely declined. The problem is now, you know what? He reeks like marijuana like everybody else because he had his fingers on it. And so he's in trouble with the rest of them. See, it's that kind of, it isn't a reputation thing. I even look at the Ammon Bunny Malheur Wildlife Refuge thing or whatever. Look, there were a lot of people there that were government plants that I believe betrayed Ammon. And uh, so we need to be very careful the company we keep. We need to be very careful whom we support, even though we agree with them on a given idea. It's good to work with them on it, but you've got to be very careful that you don't help give them credibility where none is deserved or give them support when their intentions aren't as we think they are. Other than that, I understand Ammon's point, but no matter what you think, you agree with me, you agree with Ammon, you agree with neither of us, that's fine. What we all need to do is remember to be very, very, very careful not to attack one another. Okay? Amon can think and believe what he wants, but he's really been receiving debt threats and all kinds of things over this. I think it's a sad tale to tell, and that's why we ended the show by talking about this idea. We are. We are all God's children. When when will we start to act like it people? All right, without further ado, Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org. Welcome back, sir.
2: Thanks for having me back, gentlemen. Good to be with you.
1: Any quick comment on the topic we mentioned uh, before we let you fly?
2: Um Well, I think you I, I think your point is a good one. It's a subtle, you know, I understand where I am and coming from certainly, but the, the overall point is is absolutely true that we are all children of a loving father in heaven and and we ought to act like it. we ought to treat each other the way we want to be treated and uh, if we would do that this world would be a much better place Sam
1: so I agree with him in like 95 percent of this <clears throat> right I just want to be a little careful well he doesn't he believes that my caution is kind of unwarranted to the overarching benefit of, of spreading the word about Lavoy Finnicum and spreading the word about the principles of liberty and everything else is a, of greater effect than the concern that I have. You know what? He has a point. Who's to say that I'm right and he's wrong or he's right and I'm wrong? The point is we need to learn to love one another and respect one another. And me and Evan can disagree on that. It's okay. I still defend him completely and say he's a wonderful gentleman doing a phenomenal job for liberty. It reminds me a little of the, a little bit of the comparison between the guys that say we've got to really double down and you know restore the republican party from the inside out and others say no third party is the only way to go they have an unsolvable debate as well i submit that both of them have some value i'm not ready to attack either of them well
2: yeah good point yep find value where it exists and move we got to do things that move the needle towards freedom and um you know i think to some extent third parties are doing that they're keeping they're helping to keep The two major, the two dominant parties, um, uh, serious about freedom, and but then in the dominant parties that you can also make some headway by um, electing the very, you know, the most liberty-minded people, men and women, uh, in that party, and then, you know, yeah. So it it takes takes everybody, I think. It really does. Another
1: quick example of this is some people say, well, hey, I I can solve things, but not within politics and other people say well you got to solve it within politics and i'm not here to debate who's right i'm here to do both yeah <laughs> right i mean anywhere somebody's willing to work in the sacred cause i say hey man put your hand to the plow and don't look back buddy we support you
2: jason stapleton for one is a person who advocates uh, just simply uh, getting out there and being economically prosperous don't worry about the political framework in which you uh, live but just say, you know, do do everything you can to to build wealth, power, and influence. Right? I mean, that's his that's his approach, and, and there's some merits of that. Is that instead of fighting about the principles of liberty, just use the, whatever liberty you have to to be prosperous, to, to to and 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 live your life. Right? I mean, that's what he advocates. So, and and there's a lot of people doing that, and I think it's wonderful, and I also applaud the person who is in the trenches fighting. Uh, every, every little detail in every bill that comes up at, at, before the legislature or the county commission, because we need both. <laughs> so let's uh, applaud those who, who do what they do. I mean, they're working within their own sphere of influence for the cause of liberty. Let's uh, let's applaud them for that.
1: Amen to that. Now, Lil Nelson last week told us about his quest to try to get with the state of Utah, state treasurer, to find out about these covid case bailouts you know what how much money is being sent to whom where etc all over the coronavirus bailout and anyway um good for persistent lowell uh, he started out and you know went to somebody and they sent him to somebody else and to somebody else and somebody else and then somebody responds we have an update on this a great one by the way big bucks i'll tell you that right now lowell's got details in seconds on your radio
3: Order online from rangemagazine.com. Just click on the shopping cart. The Loving Liberty Radio Network salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. All
1: right, Lowell Nelson, Lowell Nelson riding shotgun with us today, ladies and gentlemen. CampaignforLiberty.org, Ron Paul Institute.org. Lowell?
2: Yes, sir, Sam. Um,
1: Big money, huh, buddy?
2: <laughs> yes, sir. I first went to our state uh, uh, auditor with whom I'm, I'm pretty good friends, uh, John Dougal, and he referred me to the state treasurer. I went to the treasurer's office, and uh, a gentleman there, a young man apparently, named, um, let's see, Taylor Kaufman replied, uh, a nice reply, and uh, he said this, as the Federal Assistance Management Officer in the Governor's Office of Management and Budget. So basically, the Governor's Office is replying here, but notice his title, the Federal Assistance Management Officer. So I think I've hit the right person. I've got the right person I'm talking to. Um, in other words, he probably will be um, cognizant or aware of whatever money comes from the federal government to the state of Utah. So I'm going to, you know, I, I think he's got the right, to, he's the right gentleman. He says, I have been tracking federal funding that is estimated to come to Utah. And as of July 28, 2020, it is estimated that. 2.4 billion dollars in federal funds will flow into the state of Utah through the state government, local government, nonprofits, or health care providers. Um, additionally, as of July 31, 5.24 billion in Paycheck Protection Program funds have been awarded to Utah businesses, and as of July 2, 1.09 billion in economic injury disaster loan. Since court cases are, uh, I'm sorry, since case counts are always changing, he says, I have not seen information about funds per COVID case, end of quote. So, you know, our story, headlined two weeks ago, was that Utah would be getting about $94,000 per COVID case. But this office hasn't really seen any of that money, but they, he did detail, you know, this five and a quarter billion in Paycheck Protection Program funds, and he said in the past tense he says they have been awarded to Utah businesses. Past tense have been awarded to Utah businesses. And so my question for you, Sam, in your business, have you seen any of that money, or do you even want any of that money in your business?
1: Well, it's debatable when you say, have you seen money? I've seen some money. Uh, when you say, Do I want it? Let's debate this for a second because, of course, we don't want it. We don't believe in the principles of socialism. Yeah. However, you know, when the government completely shuts you down by mandate, so in other words, a forced shutdown, I believe in free enterprise, well, completely, and I don't believe in socialism and I don't want a handout at all. But if they completely shut me down by force, At some point, you kind of say, you know, do you reject that on principle and lose the battle and eventually lose the war because your business goes under? Or do you say, you know what, I'm going to pick my battles and take the money and, well, you can say I'm on the dollar, you can say I'm a socialist, but at the same time, you say, I'm going to fight another day. Yeah. And, and, And you know what, I'm not here to debate who's right on the point as much to highlight that. When they mandate you completely and say, hey, you can't work for your food, but we'll feed you, do you say I won't take the food and die? Or do you eat so that you can hopefully, uh, maybe, restore a proper role of government system once again in the future? Uh, Or do you say I'll take the food because i got to feed my little children? I don't believe in this, but what choice am I given left? And so when they say that COVID shut down the economy, I disagree. The COVID didn't shut down anything. Go look at Sweden if you don't believe me. Uh, it didn't shut them down. How did the COVID know they were the Swedes, right, is the point. And, and so I, I get it, and I don't disagree. But at the same time, I look at it and go, what are we to do? Ammon Bundy's question just haunts us every time we turn around.
2: There is a an uh, um, instrument or a principle in the Constitution that addresses this, I think. Um, and that is the principle that property may not be taken without just compensation and
1: in effect that is correct and if you take my business as my profit center away from me and then you give me money you know at some point there's compensation for that lost revenue that you've forced upon me so constitutionally okay. i could take the money and not be a socialist even though it wouldn't be my preferred solution but i'm not a leader and i don't control the narrative right
2: mhm exactly so that's why i believe that you would be justified I and mean, if you get shut down if you get locked up by government they are in effect state they- stealing your property they're taking it they're preventing you from exercising your right to property and so they must provide just compensation now the fact that they're stealing from all of us in order to you know by by printing money which they then give to us is is, it's really a foolish way to go but the fact that they're doing that is in part just compensation or at least some compensation for the loss of property that you've suffered because of their lockdown.
1: Yeah, I I question the just compensation part because I don't think it's just at all what they're doing. But it is vital compensation that without, hey, businesses are going to fall apart and die. And you say, well, Sam, your business might not be affected. And literally directly, my business may not be affected. I can't meet with clients in person because my clients are too paranoid to meet. I can't go out and get new clients because, hey, I don't dare drop by new businesses and try to introduce myself. Not a good time to do any of that. But at the same time, a lot of the clients that I'm that I work with and work for and consult for and everything else, they're struggling and therefore I'm struggling. And so it's it's this trickle down effect of force. That's the problem. If I was in Sweden, I'd probably have less of a problem, huh?
2: Yeah, you certainly would, Sam, because Sweden really did it right. (laughs) All right,
1: we'll get into the details of Sweden in a second. But here's the summation of this incredible detail, digging in news reporting that Lowell Nelson has done. Five and a quarter billion dollars in Paycheck Protection Program funds, PPP funds have come to the state of Utah. So that's how much has been awarded to Utah businesses. Five and a quarter billion and a billion more in loans. You had a great question, Lowell.
2: That is, I wonder who decides which businesses get the money. So that's that's my next question that I'm going to reply back. And so if you have any other questions you want me to ask, you know, then shoot them to me now. I'll make, I'll make a point of asking them.
1: <laughs> well, the question that I would ask is if we borrow the money, and even though I feel trapped by this, I don't know that governments should feel trapped. Governments could say the same thing. They could say, well, the you know, federal government shut us down, da-da-da. But the state has some sovereignty, Lowell, that I don't personally have. I can't just defy these orders from the state and the feds and keep my business open or they'll haul me off uh, and they'll shut down my business, et cetera. But the state has sovereignty. The state could say, wait a minute, we're not going to shut down. We're not going to do what President Trump's guidelines are. Uh, ask Kristi Noem of, what is it, South Dakota? If you don't believe me, she wouldn't do a lot of those things. Uh, and as a result, you know, the state of Utah could say, and we don't believe we should be receiving federal monies, right? Um, The state is supposed to operate its own budget with a balanced budget independently. So what the state of Utah could have done, and this leads to my question, why not jettison the money and not take it, but say in the state of Utah, we are going to make your state sales tax and state income tax and state property taxes, zero. And we're going to simply reduce the burden on our citizens. And we're going to do it as a sovereign state, not as the feds. And the only reason I bring this up is because the feds have to borrow money. So really, I'm fueling and funding, even though I'm taking the money, my own demise. Because my children or my business or somebody somewhere someday is going to have to pay for it. Right, Lowell?
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: And so my question would be, why not have the state learn to live on a thinner dime? They have a huge rainy day fund for this kind of stuff. They also have the ability to decrease the size and scope of the state government. Why depend on the feds and go in debt? Why, why pass the buck to the federal government who has no authority, no ability, no real funding, no real reserves at all? When the state has reserves, it's irresponsible to pass the buck to the, the sugar daddy with no reserves, is it not?
2: Yeah, Thus, my uh, question. Great, great question.
1: Do
4: you have a question, yeah. Kurt? I'm trying to figure out what to add, Sam. I can't really think of much uh, in this case. There's, I think, you guys have covered it. Good work.
1: All right. The next question that I might ask is this: When we say that five billion has been given and another billion in loans or whatever the number is, okay, if the state passes the buck to the feds to get us the money in the first place, then my question is: Can the state push for forgiveness? For that money so that we don't have to pay it back. And you would say, well, Sam, that's even more socialist. And my response is, why should we give the federal government any money back at all? If we give them money back, then they're going to believe that they could give it to us again and expect it back and give it to us again and expect it back. And it's just playing games of socialism. We don't want to reward this behavior, even though I understand that since it's been forced upon us, that something must be done. I get it. But I kind of come back on the other side and say, hey, let them suffer the consequences of just printing and passing out money. Why not have the state be the greatest advocate to not pay the money back?
2: Well, not pay it in the first
1: place. Just keep well, I know, but that's already done. Why not? Why not just say, look, we're not paying it back. You gave it. End of story.
2: Yeah, I like
1: it. Another interesting question, because do we have any sovereignty or not, would be the last question.
0: Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes.
5: Protests, many of which devolve into violence, continue in Portland, Oregon, where police again declared a riot last evening. This is the Portland Police. Last night, rioters approached a police building, threw things at officers, blocked a road, and set dumpsters on fire. It was the 74th consecutive night of protests and rioting in Portland since the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis police custody. It was also a night of looting and property damage in downtown Chicago. Police there say large crowds could be seen breaking windows, storming into stores all across the Magnificent Mile. The Chicago Transit Authority has suspended bus and train service downtown at the request of public safety officials. And you're listening to USA Radio News.
6: Hi, this is Wayne Allen Root. Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty Health Share, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with membership starting as early as the following month. There are no contracts, no commitments. There is no networks. You choose your own doctors and hospitals. Starting as low as $199 per month, Liberty health Share has programs for singles, couples, and families of any size. I joined. I'm a member. My four children are members. Liberty has saved me $72,000 compared to what I was paying for health insurance over these four years. Liberty HealthShare is a non-profit ministry. It is not insurance. Your money goes towards helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who come together to bear one another's burdens. To find out more, call 855-58-LIBERTY, 855-58-LIBERTY, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash Wayne Root, libertyhealthshare.org slash Wayne Root.
5: And investigations begun into what sparked a massive fire at the upstate New York home of TV chef and personality Rachel Ray. Several fire departments were called to battle the blaze last night in the community of Lake Luzerne, which is about two hours north of New York City. A representative for says she and her husband and their dog were not hurt. There are still over 100,000 residents in the New York City area without power from last Tuesday's tropical storm. Mount Vernon, New York, Mayor Mike Spano says he is frustrated. Turned out to be probably the most severe storm we've had uh, since Sandy Caught a lot of people by surprise, but shouldn't have caught by surprise. The Atlanta area high school that's at the center of a viral hallway photo showing students not social distancing is returning to online learning at least for a few days. North Paulding High School near Atlanta confirming that six students and three staffers have tested positive for the virus, so they're going to shut down to do a deep cleaning. And this is USA Radio News.
0: Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio.
1: All right, sadly in America we seem duped at every turn. Yeah, not only were you, six billion dollars to the state of Utah. You have heard of the five or six million dollar man back in the day, right? This is the six billion dollar man going on. Uncle Sam out of control. Europeans, though, are starting to wake up to this concern in reality, though, aren't they, Lowell?
2: They sure are, Sam. Ron Paul commented about this in his column last week post that campaign for liberty.org. Europeans are waking up to government COVID tyranny. Why are we, meaning Americans, still asleep? Tens of thousands of Germans marched through Berlin on Saturday, proclaiming a day of freedom and demanding an end to government mandated face masks and social distancing. The UK and the Netherlands also saw large protests against their governments' tyr- tyrannical actions in response to the coronavirus outbreak. Well, good for them, Ron Paul says. They seem to be more upset with the mandates in their countries than we do in ours. Of course, you know, here in Utah, Sam, Utah never, has never really locked anyone down, um, you know, with with threats of of, of jail time and, and civil fines, but. You know, so maybe that's why there is not there aren't many protests about it here in Utah. But what about other states? I mean, I just heard of a state that uh, you're going to be fined 1,500 bucks. Uh, uh, what was it? Maryland, I think it was, said that they would fine any private school teacher uh, 5,000 bucks and a year, up to a year in jail, if that teacher was found teaching a private school student in person between now and October 1st. Talk about gra- gra- draconian. You know, measure, and that was not by law of the state legislature. That was a county health official, like the director of the Utah, of the of the county uh, health department, just making that up and saying, "I'm going to fine you this much if you do what whatever." You know, so I mean, these guys are out of control. Um, but Ron continues his essay here. He says, "Europeans are realizing that their government-mandated lockdowns did little or nothing to protect them from the virus." while causing economic catastrophe and untold human suffering. They likely looked around and noticed that Sweden, which never locked down its economy, rejected face masks, and kept its restaurants and other places of business open, did not fare any worse than the countries that have been turned into open prisoners for much of the year. In fact, Sweden had a lower death rate from the virus than strict lockdown states like the UK and France. No wonder people are starting to get angry. And so he goes on. We, we probably don't have time to t- cover the whole column. But um, I, I just tell you, Sam, that that uh, you know doctors, uh, we saw this last week, doctors who came forward with life-saving information, they get shut down, deplatformed, marginalized in news media. It's as if big pharma wants everyone to remain frozen in fear until they can come out with a vaccine for this novel coronavirus. Well, I saw a video on the vaccine created by Moderna. That's a company called Mo- Moderna. They, 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 they're touting their vaccine, and they're saying that it contains recombinant RNA, meaning that it would reprogram the organism into which it is injected, just as Monsanto has modified the genetic blueprint of the corn and the other plants that it has created and copyrighted. Big Pharma, Sam, is playing God. And I worry that these vaccines, never even tested on animals because of the need to fast track them, will do irreparable damage to the human genome. And so back to Ron Paul's column, he ends it with a question. How many may be harmed more by the vaccine than health? We'll probably never know because the U.S. government has just granted Big Pharma immunity from liability claims if the vaccine produces damaging side effects. They keep moving the goalposts to keep us terrified and isolated. First it was body counts, and then it was case counts. The numbers have been so wildly off that it's hard to trust any reporting. People are getting angry. They are confused. They are facing an economic depression of historic proportions. But worst of all, they are watching as Leviathan government snatches every last bit of freedom three cheers for the europeans let's hope america wakes up soon end of quote sam
1: amen to that and chuck baldwin runs a thread through this as well we talked about this last week but uh we are facing the greatest assault on our civil liberties in our lifetimes chuck baldwin reprise, lol
2: quote every shutdown every closure every mask mandate every limitation of crowd size every forced temperature test every travel restriction, every forced corona test, every person who loses their job for personal speech that contradicts the official narrative, every act of social media censorship, every church that stops assembling, every attempt to disrupt your ability to make a living, shop, bank, worship, recreate, socialize, or engage in free enterprise is a blatant assault against your liberty. Mark it down, he writes. These are not mere inconveniences. These are deliberate, disgusting, destructive, draconian, demonic, and damnable attacks against your liberty. How long are you going to tolerate it? This will not end until the American people themselves determine to end it. And if we don't end it soon, it will be too late to end it. This corona crisis is not about health. It is about control. About the abolition of a free society and the introduction of an enslaved society. The planners of this attack counted on Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burke and their accomplices in government and the media to instill sufficient fear into the hearts of the American people so as to cause them to give up essential liberty in order to stay safe. Ben Franklin saw this coming over 200 years ago when he said, They, that would give up essential liberty for a little temporary safety, deserve neither liberty nor safety. The so-called new normal, Chuck Baldwin concludes, is nothing more than the old totalitarianism. End of quote. Sam?
1: It's hard to know how to respond to this. I I just thought this was so powerful. Yeah, it is. The reason it's so hard to respond to is because he's completely right. But for some reason, and even Trump, I know Trump's been kind of arguing with Fauci a little bit and whatever, but no one's speaking out nobly, boldly, and independently like Dr. Ron Paul and Pastor Chuck Baldwin. I mean, they are on the national stage probably the two uh, most direct deliverers of reality, kind of like the secret of Sweden's success. Okay, there's people speaking out, but every one of them gets shut down if their narrative doesn't go along with the mainstream. And I would have to say that Donald Trump and Anthony Fauci, even though they're kind of arguing about little details, they're as mainstream as they can get. And everybody else who has a an understanding, a belief, a, 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 even no matter how science-based it is, gets shut down. Sweden's a little different. Uh,
2: very, very different. Uh, posted uh, last Monday at ronpaulinstitute.org. Is an article by Mike Whitney showing a chart of the number of people dying daily in Sweden with confirmed COVID-19. Not supposed, but confirmed COVID-19, okay? So it goes from zero on March 12th of this year to a high of about 115 at the 115 deaths each day in April and then decreases steadily to single digits in July. And, and then Whitney writes this. Um, um, I think it's, yeah, yeah, he. He says, while the COVID-19 epidemic continues to drag on in the United States, it's largely over in Sweden, where fatalities have dropped to no more than two deaths per day for the last week. Now, he wrote this on July 27th. So basically from July 20th until now, only no more than two deaths per day in the entire country of Sweden. Which I think is about 10 million people, um, which is three times the size of Utah. Okay, so Sweden, continuing his column, Sweden has been harshly criticized in the media for not imposing draconian lockdowns like the United States and other European countries. Instead, Sweden implemented a policy that was both conventional and sensible. They recommended that people maintain a safe distance between each other, and they ban gatherings of 50 people or more. So it's kind of a slight shutdown, right? They also ask their elderly citizens to isolate themselves and to avoid interacting with other people as much as possible. By the way, they didn't do
1: that by mandate either, but they encouraged strongly, which is a wise move.
2: Yes, very wise. Okay, and then other than that, Swedes were encouraged to work, exercise, and get on with their lives as they would normally as they would normally, even though the world was still in the throes of a global pandemic. The secret of Sweden's success is that its experts settled on a strategy that was realistic, sustainable, and based in science. The intention was never to fight the virus, which is among the most contagious infections in the last century, apparently, but to protect the old and vulnerable while allowing the young, low-risk people to circulate, contract the virus and develop the antibodies that need to fight similar pathogens in the future. It's clear now that that was the best approach.
1: By the way, it was clear then to many of us. We articulated it live on the radio if you want proof. Hang tight. Lowell Nelson in seconds.
7: I'd Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes.
6: The press has created a rigged system. They even want to try and rig the election. Well, I tell you what, it it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. And poisoned the mind of so many of our voters. At the polling booths, where so many cities are corrupt, and voter fraud is all too common. And then they say, oh, there's no voter fraud in our country. I come from Chicago,
8: so, so I want to be honest. It's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have, too. You know, whenever people are in power, they're, you know, they have this tendency to try to,
5: you know, tilt things in their direction. There's no way.
7: You start whining before the game's even over. Whenever things are going badly for you and, and you lose, you start blaming somebody else. Then you don't have what it takes to be in this job.
9: After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999, text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999, or go to defendapatriot.com, defendapatriot.com.
0: Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-gooders to please obey the supreme law of the land, the
1: Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, Lone Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org with us. We are facing the greatest assault on our civil liberties in our lifetimes, writes Chuck Baldwin. Boy, is he spot on. Sweden, doing a great job, though, not taking the uh, shutdown Kool-Aid. But Fauci or Fauci, whatever you got to say, bad medicine from this guy. Fauci's or Fauci's. Um, HCQ Waterloo is the headline on this one. And that's the hydroxychloroquine discussion. Um, the debate rages on. Many, 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 many doctors are saying it's good. So is President Trump. Fauci saying it's bad. The debate rages on. But doctors that would back President Trump get shut down, Lowell.
2: Yes, they do, Sam, and they are being shut down apparently because the you know Fauci and his uh, and Gates and and uh, the people associated with them they want to push a drug, uh, and they don't want people to know how effective uh, hydroxychloroquine is because there are countries. All over the world, using hydroxychloroquine, it's cheap. It it, it costs. Uh, just listen to this, Sam. Here in our country, Fauci continues to ignore the ever accumulating, remarkable early use data on hydroxychloroquine, and he became focused on a new antiviral compound named remdesivir. Rem remdesivir remdesivir. We'll say rem. It's just it's spelled just like it sounds. Remdesivir. This is an experimental drug that had to be given intravenously every day for five days. It was never suitable for widespread use, outpatient or at-home use, as part of a national pandemic plan. We now know that remdesivir has no effect on overall COVID patient mortality, and it costs thousands of dollars per patient. Now, contrast that with hydroxychloroquine, which costs about 60 cents. That's six to zero. That's six dimes, right, just a little bit over 50 cents, costs 60 cents a tablet, can be taken at home, it fits in with the National Pandemic Plan for Respiratory Viruses, and a course of therapy simply uh, requires swallowing three tablets in the first 24 hours, followed by one tablet every 12 hours for five days. So which one does Big Pharma want to push? Well, obviously Remdesivir, Remdesivir. And this on the heels of some recent revelations just the last weekend that Fauci knew of the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine way back two thousand five. Fifteen years ago, he wrote about it. And now it's just come to light that he knew this all along and yet he is pushing Remdesivir and other big pharma solutions, expensive solutions, uh in, in, in and he's trying to keep Americans tied up in fear waiting for these expensive drugs because he stands to win, uh, to, to, to you know, it's a windfall for big pharma if they can convince Americans to, to uh, sidestep hydroxychloroquine in favor of remdesivir and these other expensive drugs, Sam. This is so, so subtle and perverse. It's On one monster. hand,
1: it's subtle and perverse. On the other hand, it's flat-out hard in your face, though. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah, well, we need to get the word out about hydroxychloroquine. I mean, I'm, I'm not one that pushes any drug anytime, anywhere. But in contrast to remdesivir, hydroxychloroquine is a piece of cake. What, it costs you like all of five bucks?
1: Yeah, but that's why they won't do it. Part of it is cost. Part of it is propaganda. Part of it is I don't think they want people to get well. But the you know, pharmaceutical narrative well, and is and the president
4: highly. supported it. That's the key um, problem it's got.
3: Right.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, you're right, Kurt. Yeah. Now, I don't know why President Trump doesn't fire Fauci over this, but, and I don't know how everybody seems to be on the side of Fauci, but the pharmaceutical narrative is failing, well
2: <laughs> Fortunately, it is failing, and there's an author named Schaefer there at RonPaulInstitute.org that brings this out. You know, the America's Frontline Doctors said at their press conference last week, and I think you covered this already, so we don't need to rehash it, but... Basically, they, you know she summarizes this, uh, what they said first in her column, and then she writes that this she says many argue that the politis- 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 <laughs> politicization of this drug is founded in, his, in a desire to unseat President Trump, And, and I would agree with you know Kurt Cosby that it is that the opposition to it is primarily because it was endorsed by Trump. And it is deemed to be a failure, or even better, dangerous to patients. It will be a powerful strike against the president. That may well be part of what has motivated this, but there is another motivation, and it's what I said earlier. It's this desire to push a more expensive medication onto the market and to push a new vaccine on the world's population. So basically she's illustrating in print what we just read in the previous piece that hydroxychloroquine is inexpensive and big pharma wants to push an expensive solution so when a group of doctors took to the steps of the u.s supreme court last week and told the world how much success they're having right and we heard this sam many many of them are 100 percent successful in other words 100 percent they don't lose a single patient to covid 19 using hydroxychloroquine and zinc and so forth then Big Pharma, oh, and so and so when they're having the success using a cheap anti-malarial drug that's been in use for over 65 years to treat the most deadly contagion of our generation, it is a massive blow to the narrative upon which the pharmaceutical purveyors' success depends, right? And that's Amen to that,
1: and to President Trump's defense here. Uh, Kurt, he has not mentioned this once, not twice, not three times, probably not even 20 times. It's like way more than that. He's gone on record over and over and over and over highlighting this. What he hasn't done in my mind, though, is bring forward the doctors that validate his point. Now, I don't know if he can is the problem. As far as I understand, Facebook and Twitter are starting to shut down the president of the United States as well. In my opinion, we're bordering on criminal behavior uh, by these organizations. Um, president Trump has done his best to speak out on this. Uh, the real question is who behind the scenes controls the unfolding narrative, even against the president of the United States, Kurt?
4: Great question, Sam. I Wish mean, you, I would, I you would think we could hear from the president more. I guess you'd say the massive swamp monsters, you know. I guess. You yeah. know, they're the <laughs> The insiders, the you know, I mean, you got to watch the old movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, to kind of get a base idea about it. And then, you know, you just put it on turbo from there, I guess.
1: Well, it's a good woman highlighting some of this reality for us. And there have been good women standing up in history. This one makes me go, oh, mercy. <laughs> mercy Otis speaking out boldly, nobly, and independently in her time. And her words wisely echo forward in ours, thanks to Lowell.
2: She, Sam, has been called the conscience of the American Revolution. Born in 1728, died in 1814. And so, obviously, from 1728 to, like, 1778, she'd be about, what, uh, 60, uh, yeah, 50 years old at that time. So she was a a real-life observer and a mature observer of the American Revolution and the country that uh, was, was founded. So it's amazing. You know, both Thomas Jefferson and John Adams called her a genius. And uh, a gal named Elizabeth Elliot, who I, I don't know who Ellett is. Elizabeth Ellett described her, meaning, speaking of Mercy Otis Warren, as the most remarkable woman who lived in the days of the American Revolution. She is the sister of James Otis, and the wife of James Warren, both intense revolutionaries. She hosted groups, including the Sons of Liberty, and committees of correspondence in her home. And, however, it was primarily her writing that made her, perhaps, the most important of Revolutionary War women. And uh, to give you just a sample of some of the things she said, I picked out two or three, well, this uh, article posted at 10thamendmentcenter.org, dot, dot of course, lists a uh, dozens of things that she said. I chose three. To highlight. And uh, they go like this. He, he writes this. Mankind may amuse themselves with theoretical systems of liberty, but we can only discern its true value by the practical and wretched effects of slavery. Very interesting, Sam, that, you know, we only appreciate our liberty if we have observed and sometimes felt the the practical, the wretched effects of slavery. That's what she's saying here. And, you know, you think about the revolutionaries. They were subjected to terrible, horrendous, um, you know, servitude conditions uh, from the British government. And it's because they suffered those things that they can really discern the true value of liberty. Well, we need to do the same thing. That's one thing we're missing, right? We've grown up in, in relative peace and harmony and prosperity. We don't know what it's like to be in slavery. And so that's maybe one reason why we today, speaking collectively, not you and me, but our Americans today, don't understand the true value of liberty and why our young people are embracing the ideas of socialism. They simply do not understand the end of socialism, the t- destitute poverty, and the inc-
7: unspeakable
2: wrongs that are wrought upon a people in slavery to a tyrannical government. That may be one reason. The second thing I picked out, one of the things she said is this. She said, quote, It is necessary to guard at every point against the intrigues of artful or ambitious men who may subvert the constitutional system most conducive to the general happiness of society. End of quote. Boy, is she ever right there. Because there are artful, ambitious men like Fauci, like Gates, who subvert the constitutional system, right, and who are giving money in a socialistic uh, system to the state, and they are baiting the state to stay on this socialism, this dole from the general government, which they simply are stealing from the middle class when they do that. And the last quote I wanted to highlight here, Sam, we can talk about any one of these, is this, quote, resist the first approaches of tyranny which threatened to sweep away the right for which the brave sons of America have
1: fought. And I want to talk about that last one the most. And and the reason I do is because if if former generations had taken that, in my opinion, brilliant, well thought out, I believe God-directed advice, if you will, uh, we wouldn't be in the discussion points we're having today at all, Lowell. And if we can stand up and stop it, then our children will thank us and revere our names. And if we fail them, then as it gets further and further and further down the road, I look at Social Security as a great example of this. Had they shut that down in the beginning of it, even on the Social Security cards back in the day, it said not to be used for identification purposes. (laughs) The yearly Social Security card said that right on the face of them nowadays. I mean, everybody asks me for that. They've even taken it off now. So if we would have fought it at first... Look where we could be, and I think that principle rings true. Final thought, Lowell?
2: Well, you're absolutely right, Sam. I'll just give Mercy Otis Warren (laughs) the final word here. Again, resist the first approaches of tyranny, which threaten to sweep away the rights for which the brave sons of America have fought. Sam, thank you so very much good to be Oh, here. you do a
1: phenomenal job, Lol. thank you, sir There he goes, every Monday on your radio Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now He comes loaded for bear every time With just killer updates That's what Liberty Roundtable Live Is all about, campaignforliberty.org Institute.org. spread the word Please Hour one in the can, the good doctor coming up Hour two in seconds God save the republic
0: Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show.
1: All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that never reviews to use no doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for August the tenth in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty. This is our two of two, and the goal always is to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Great restoration is the key, folks. We've got to preserve this nation by returning to the principles that made it great in the first place. No other plan will suffice. Peaceful restoration is the key to the exercise. Morality and repentance in the people is where it starts. And then families, the fundamental unit of society is the key to a stable society and or culture. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Kirk Cosby with me.
4: Welcome, sir. Buenos dias. Uh, Greetings and salutations. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Thank you, Sam.
1: Yeah, and the good doctor, Dr. Scott Bradley in the house as well. Welcome back, sir. Good morning, all,
7: and it's uh, good to be here.
1: We have so much to discuss. It's out of control. Did you hear about the 5.1 earthquake in North Carolina over the weekend?
7: Wow, that's a a wake-up call, right?
1: I personally say so, but when you say wake-up, to those who may not be familiar, it's a wake-up call, but to those who are familiar with prophecy, I don't know that it's as much of a wake-up as a witness and a warning, sir.
7: Well, indeed, and uh, those that are um, familiar with the prophetic voice down through the ages and And the ultimate fulfillment of uh, the pronouncements of prophets, it's uh, interesting to see we're in a day and a time when there's going to be a compression not only of times but of events. And uh, we're told, if you read the scriptures carefully, that there's a bumpy road ahead of us.
1: Yeah, wow. (laughs) What do you think of this, Kurt? That's a huge earthquake. Yes, there is. Uh, And I didn't really see a whole lot about it over the weekend. At first they said there was no damage. Now they say there's some buildings and things like that that have been reported having a problem and everything else. But these aren't normally earthquake zones either, are they?
7: You know, I I haven't kind of kept track of a lot of the – I know that we live in in our area, in a geologically active area. I know that it's probably similar to what would be in Jerusalem and some of those other places, I mean, that are kind of – epicenters, if you will, of of, uh, the things the scriptures have talked about. But uh, I'm confident that if there's something that needs to be done, it can be arranged if if God takes it in his heart to do
1: it. Amen to that. And I think some of these things, and I I know people are going to attack me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, I think earthquakes like this, and I think the COVID and some of the other things that we're experiencing like this, I think they are wake-up calls, as you wisely point out. Now, to those of us who study prophecy and who are aware of what the unfolding looks like biblically and and from a Christian uh, world perspective, you know, it may not be a surprise to us, but it certainly should be a wake-up call for all of us. I think it's a, the Lord is politely trying to get our attention. And you can say, well, Sam, it's hardcore. I understand, but not like it could be. And I've even heard of biblically and other times when prophets pray for things to happen to the people that sound pretty negative, but it's actually a prayer of mercy saying, I know, Lord, you're going to take the gloves off here. Uh, Can we give the people an opportunity or a possibility or a chance? Uh, And so some of these things, even though they seem pretty bad, Dr. Bradley, sometimes compared to what could be coming or compared to what could be, You know, I'd rather have the corona here than I would to have war and or famine, for instance. And so I'm not really trying to say we should love COVID or we should love earthquakes. But I am trying to put things into perspective about how the Lord works and interacts with his children. uh, And most importantly, what we ought to do about it as timely as possible.
7: You know, it's interesting. Uh, There's a great effort to expunge the study of history from our school systems, and of course education has long since left our public education system, but those that are willing to study history recognize things that, that repeat. And one of the things, as you point out, that's repeated is is the effort of God to get the attention of His children on the earth. And uh, and sometimes, as I kind of euphemistically said, a bumpy road happens. But but the one thing that always, to me, is is kind of an enigma is that... Well, why can't we just be kind of devoted to our God, following his commands, and willing to abide by uh, his counsel without having to have our proverbial butts kicked? I mean, this is so amazing to me that, that we seem to be so stubbornly proud and think that we'll never, ever face the challenges of our predecessors on the earth uh, because we're so cosmopolitan or, or so, you know, modern in our perspective that that uh, we're beyond all of that stuff. But it just seems, it's kind of like when you say to your kids, "Why can't you guys just get along?" You know, and it's it's so astounding to me that on Earth we seem to be just a bunch of wrangling, rabble rousing uh, apostate uh, rebels that that are so willing to drift when the path has been so clearly stated
1: well and the way the scriptures usually put what you're saying dr bradley is they say uh the children of men are swift to do iniquity and slow to remember the lord their god i mean i, I see this phrase and isn't that what you're talking about
7: well it is And remember last week when uh, the caller ken called in about uh you know some things that were going on and, I, and he was bringing the uh, Another modern video up, and I, I jumped on it. I thought that that he was talking about this. The answer that David Niven put out. I suggested people watch that. It was from 1954, and if you haven't watched it in the past week, you're probably not going to. With that admonition, but so I, I'll, I'll break the news to you that uh, the I'll, I'll, what I'll do is it's a spoiler alert for those that don't want to hear it. But but in that movie, uh, there's a. Uh, an effort, the Earth is going to be destroyed by a cataclysmic um, war that will will basically remove all civilization from the Earth, and they're trying to come to a solution. They have a timeline. They get all the most wisdom they can gather together. Each one of the wisest men come together. They put their information into a computer. The computer is going to come up with a solution, and what it really comes out with, it spits that to the very end at the last minute, and it's a repeat of the Ten Commandments and And it's like, "Oh, wait a minute, we've had those for a while, haven't we and And the point of the matter being that these are the basis of a of a society that that has order and and uh has purpose and direction, and they're very easy they're basic they're they're kind of simple. a child can repeat them, and yet we overlook them and overlook them and overlook them and overlook them. Until we end up crumbling in a mass of confusion and shaking like a bowl of jelly and and finally somebody says, "Wait, wait, wait, let's try and go back to what God said, and there is a, a period of time, but we are quick to leave that program
1: well and it's interesting, not only have the Ten Commandments been around for a while, as you jokingly but seriously point out, we have watched societies that embrace the Ten Commandments, and we, when we do when they do, we see how blessed those societies are, and when we see societies jettison those 10 simple, as you put, guidelines, then we see nothing but carnage and mayhem and destruction and tyranny and hatred and fear and everything that we, at least we think or act like we don't want. But yet we don't take the reality check that could prevent the disasters and bring forward the blessings. I mean, it's just a am- It's shocking to me.
7: Well, it is, and and you know the founding fathers, um, and we've talked about this before, so don't need to revisit the whole thing. But they they looked to God to establish this nation, um, and you know we've talked before about Locke and Montesquieu and Blackstone, and but the the primary principle, uh, kind of central theme, if you will, of the words that they spoke and the actions they take, they they have the foundation out of the scriptures, but. When you look at Montesquieu, Blackstone, and Locke, when they're quoting them, they're quoting scriptures. And so this had the, as its basis uh, that our free society was based upon uh, following the program that God outlined and, and our God-given rights. The, the concept of that originates in the scriptures. And, and this idea of, of destroying our historical back story, if you will, For our nation is destroying it, and and you've got these the blather of the humanist uh, religion that's been taught in our public education system for so many decades now, and the high priests of the humanist religion that teach in our educational system in the in the uh, higher so-called higher education locations have completely eradicated our fundamental understanding of these things. And so now we're we're kind of casting about and you know, just falling off the, the table, if you will, and our society's unraveling. And and we have the Marxist philosophies, the Freudian philosophies, the Keynesian philosophies, the Darwinistic philosophies that are brought to the forefront and are godless in their origins. And was, since everybody's taught we're just kind of highly evolved animals, should we be surprised? When we start acting like animals, it's like, no, no, you would expect this. Yeah, yeah, you're just, you know, if it feels good, do it. You know, tune in, turn on, drop out, whatever. You know, the Timothy Leary stuff from, you know, many decades ago that many of your audience probably has never heard of. But the fact of the matter is that is the basis of where we are, I believe, finding or unraveling of our society. But we've adopted it as our de facto religion with the godless philosophies that worship only the wisdom of mankind, being where we go for our understanding. But as we, as this movie, or it's not a movie, it's a little TV series thing from 1954, points out,
6: we go back to the basics.
7: What's it called again? It's called uh, The Answer. And David Niven was the one that wrote it, and, uh, and he, he starred in it, if you will, you know.
1: All right, hang tight. But, we'll talk about it more in seconds. Kurt has some insight on this. Liberty Roundtable Live.
0: Regrets? Oh, we're all gonna have them. Doesn't matter who you are or what you do. At some point, you're gonna wish you'd done something differently. You know, the woulda, coulda, should But let me tell you a couple of things you will never regret. You'll never regret spending extra time talking to your teenager, trust me. You'll never regret answering your three-year-old's question about where the water in the bathtub comes from. And I've never seen anyone wish they hadn't sat in the kitchen laughing with their children and telling them goofy stories about when they were kids. Yeah, sure, we're all going to have regrets. But talking too much with our kids won't be one of them. No matter what you talk about, love is
3: what they'll hear. A thought from The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
9: Visit us at mormon.org.
10: Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator. As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life, and look at these tiny little miracles and say, we're not gonna protect that. But I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life.
0: With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show.
1: All right, the answer from 1954. It's kind of interesting. We don't even need to go back to 54. Don't we go back to like a, let's see, when was Moses? How far before Christ? (laughs) We had the answer since then. In fact, we even had the answer all along. Why don't we pay attention to the answer, Dr. Bradley?
7: Well, I, we keep getting reminded of it, but we're so foolish. I mean, see, here's the deal. If you don't study history, you don't understand where we've been. I, I've got a, a, a presentation I make. I've talked a little bit about it before, maybe about uh, when I was six years old, I got lost. And, and uh, my immediate an initial response, which I followed, was run, which made matters worse. I got more lost. You know, you you sit down, you look at your back trail. That's the first thing you do, and not panic and all those other things. And we could talk about that for those that have never been lost before, how tar- terrifying it is for a six-year-old. But Patrick Henry reminded us, clear back at the beginning of the Revolution, I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know of no way of judging the future but by the past. And Shakespeare in The Tempest said, what's past is prologue, meaning the experience of the pastor, but an introduction to that which is to come. But we've constantly failed to do that because we've expunged this from our memory banks. It's gone down the memory hole. 1984 is alive and well. You know, remember Winston Smith working in that uh, effort to expunge, uh, you know, the things that they did not want to have in society anymore. And and, and we're becoming so completely ignorant that we seem like we've got to make all the mistakes of the past. And and I would think that uh, if you'll read history, you'll see that there's been some pretty dramatic things happen that that I'd like to avoid. I'd like my grandchildren to avoid it, everybody I love to avoid, all mankind, actually. But, but, you know, you start with those you love, you know? And and I I just think it's astounding, astounding that, that we have turned our backs on that. And, and as a consequence of that, you know, this Black Lives Matter thing, this COVID thing, I mean, all of these are, are, are replays of what we've done before. I mean, think about the Marxist revolutionary efforts to destabilize society. Think about what happened in the French Revolution when they turned criminals out of out of jails, and, and, and exactly what happened in the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917. Criminals were turned out of jail to foment and destroy society, and that's exactly what's happening today. And they say, "Oh,
1: we can't keep these guys in jail." Uh, the
7: COVID, you know, they might. And so they. It, it, it's to it, it's
1: it's it's because of the COVID, Doctor Bradley. Because the COVID.
7: Well, well, I know, but like I said, <laughs> any excuse is that they can come up with, and you say, "Holy cow, we've been down this road before as a people." It,
1: it doesn't, doesn't matter what society liberty they put on the altar. All they do is go. It it, 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 it it's because of the COVID. <laughs> Well, it is. We're just just destroying insane. our society,
7: but but we, we're applying Marxist principles, this this conflict kind of approach to things. Where where we're, we've got to have schisms, and and it's it's just exactly what's happened. I've got a, a a chapter in my book to preserve the nation that talks about all revolutions are not created equal, and and our revolution was so fundamentally different, not only in its origins but its outcome. From all of these other revolutions, these other revolutions are based upon false principles that that work to the destruction of society, but they're false when it comes to elevating and blessing the lives of humanity. So I mean, it, uh, and and so, yeah, I I think what's past is prologue, and we're going to reap whatever we're we've been unwilling to to learn in the past.
1: And Amen to that. Um. All right, so. The Ten Commandments are the answer. TV show nineteen fifty four, is it David Niven? Niven N I V E N. Yeah,
7: right. he's he's a, a British guy that came to America. It's interesting. He was here in a successful um, movie career, and and as soon as England went into World War Two, he jumped on a boat and headed back to England. He was the only uh, British citizen that was successful in America. In the movie industry and everything that came back to England to fight, and when he was when he was put in kind of he was relegated into kind of a you know i mean here's a famous guy, and we can kind of use his face for our benefit. no, he transferred into the commandos he was he was uh, operating behind enemy lines he was d day i mean we're talking a guy that, that put it all on the line, and then he came back to America afterwards and i mean th- this is a i mean a historical perspective. But but here's a guy that, uh, he he had baggage after the war. He, he had a real alcohol problem and everything like that. He died young. ALS, I think, is what killed him. But but at any rate, um, here was a guy that said, you know what, we got a problem. I'm going to ho- go help solve it. And then he came back to America, had trouble kind of starting up his career again. They thought he was washed out and everything, and he came into some of his biggest years later. But in 1954... In this TV series, uh, he wrote some of these things that were on that particular program. And, and this one, the answer, uh, I thought it was very insightful. I mean, it's, it's kind of boring. No com- computer-generated graphics and no explosions and all this kind of stuff. But the explosion was the wisdom that came out of it, you know. So anyway. Um, all right.
1: Well, we're, uh, rotting um, all that, uh, we're rotting from the inside. Despite all that, we're rotting from the inside. Kurt wants to tell you about the SAT company. These are the college exam people, right,
4: Kurt? Right, and they've got a big uh, connection to our, well, our pals at the Communist Chinese, Uh, Sam. SAT uh, company
1: to the college, or I guess the college board there maintains ties to the Communist Chinese. So we're going to attack President Trump for this idea that he's involved with Russia. Never mind it was Hillary that was involved in the uranium scandal that never got covered and never got prosecutions on. Uh, nevertheless, you got these college boards that literally maintain their ties to China, and no one's even hardly looking at it. Dr. Bradley?
7: Well, you know, the this, this scholastic aptitude test is a facade and a farce. Not, it's a different facade than the Fauci facade, but it is a facade nonetheless. This is something that is so bizarre to me. Where they're, where they're allowing people into college to get their higher education, why not let everybody try that once? I mean, it's their money, it's their effort, and, and what they can make of themselves. I happen to be kind of a late bloomer, I mean, in my own perspective. I keep thinking I'm going to somehow bloom. But the fact of the matter is some kids don't do well on tests. Some kids don't do well in high school. Some kids, they later on find their stride, if you will. But the thing that gets me about some of these things is that they're, they're stacking the deck, to get the the racial and economic uh, strata that they're looking for in the schools. And they got some of these movie stars and I don't know what they're really called, TV stars, whatever, that, that they got this big thing about, oh, they, they cheated to get their kids into school and they paid bribes and et cetera. The system is wired on behalf of certain uh, certain economic strata, certain racial strata, it's wired against some people, and and I don't know exactly how the Chinese have anything to do with any of all this stuff. But to tell you the truth, it is a it is something that ought to be junked totally and completely. And let's
1: well, you know, and right now everybody's begging that we go back to these same schools that have these ties to the communist Chinese.
7: Well, and and on, honestly, I, I I've kind of maybe said it before some months ago. That someday people that are educated at Harvard or Yale or Princeton or some of these really lobby daw kind of schools, Stanford, whatever, people are going to say, "Well, I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm sorry
1: that uh, yeah, I'm sorry that, you were educated at a school that used to basically make money on slaves and promote the slave trade big time, and now in modern times they have promoted the communist propaganda forever and everything else." I'm, I'm so sorry. Tom Cotton in the news really quick too, Kurt.
4: Well, this is a, apparently a senator that I haven't heard that much about, and yet he's got some uh, pretty good headlines. Um, you know, he's saying that we ought to uh, look deep into this whole, uh, um, you know, um, uh, China thing. Uh, he's also uh, letting us know that uh, there's a lot of, uh, I guess you'd call it, um, uh, just a lot of stinking going on at Capitol Hill. You probably got them right in front of you, but I don't see them uh, right on my list, Sam. I know I talked about them or I found them, but go ahead. Do you want to read them to them? Are you talking about
1: this Tom Cotton piece? Yeah. Yeah, Senator Tom Cotton basically says TikTok is the Chinese Communist Party's Trojan horse. We're all going to, you know, through these video games and social media and and fun video sites and everything else, they're going to go ahead and backdoor into our economy and society. I'm not sure if I'm more fearful of the Chinese communists or the Russians or the American government spying on me and controlling my data. Dr. Bradley?
7: You know, I, I'm pretty ignorant in regards to all these social media programs, but I did have heard that there's somehow there's a uh, an intelligence leak that's happening through some of these social media uh, connections. But... I, it eludes me exactly how they're using what they're getting at this point, but maybe they're. Well, in
1: my mind, we're all worried about the foreign companies uh, abusing us, but what about the ones right here at home, aka the Justice Department, the CIA, and the Pentagon? Huh?
4: <laughs> Your
1: daily Liberty Newswire.
0: You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes.
5: President Trump signing four executive orders over the weekend to provide Americans help as the pandemic continues. One would pay a supplemental $400 in unemployment benefits. Democrats have been pressing for a renewal of $600 in those benefits. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says the president's executive orders simply aren't good enough.
3: The president's executive orders, described in one word, could be paltry. In three words, unworkable, weak, and far too narrow.
5: Schumer spoke on ABC's This Week. Although seismologists say it's extremely rare for earthquakes to hit the east coast of the U.S., there remains a potential for more aftershocks after yesterday's magnitude 5.1 quake in North Carolina. There were no major damage reports and no injuries reported. And this is USA Radio News.
11: Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time.
9: I am very pleased with your product. I haven't been sick since I've been taking this, and I contribute a lot of my energy and my health to your product, and I just want to keep taking it, so you guys just keep making it, okay? I just thank God for your company.
11: Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code USA.
5: President Trump says his new postmaster general is trying to make the service self-sustaining, announcing on Friday he was changing key leadership positions. The president telling reporters yesterday the Postal Service has been losing huge amounts of money for decades. And he says of new PMG, Louis DeJoy.
6: Uh, He's a very good businessman. He's very successful. And I know he wants to make the post office at least somewhat lose a lot less money.
5: DeJoy was a major donor to the president's campaign. He's already eliminated overtime for mail carriers. Arizona continues to deal with a long-running heat wave. The National Weather Service saying that yesterday Phoenix felt its 34th day this year with temperatures of over 110 degrees, and that beats 2011's record of 33 days. Last month was the hottest July in that city's history, the average day reaching 99 degrees. You can reach us online. At usaradio.com.
1: All right, time flies fast when you got guys like Lil Nelson and Dr. Scott Bradley and others on your radio, man. I'm telling you, just like, wow, how do hours fly by so quickly? And the answer is intelligence. Everywhere, it's just great to behold and to be part of. I'll tell you that right now. Dr. Scott Bradley, his collegiate series and book is called To Preserve the Nation. That certainly is our goal. freedomsrisingsun.com is website. That's freedomsrisingsun.com. All right, the president of the United States over the weekend, President Donald J. Trump, just signed four executive orders. Uh, they are extending unemployment benefits... Preventing evictions, suspending student loans, and payroll tax cuts. And uh, it's kind of a bold move by the President of the United States. Uh, President Trump says, hey, I tried to give Congress time to act. They wouldn't do it. They're stuck on stupid. Had to do it. We're going to break this down from a constitutional perspective uh, with Dr. Scott Bradley. But first, a few headlines that Kurt found on this, highlighting what just happened. It's big in the news, folks. Kurt?
4: Well, and it's amazing. Even at the bottom of the hour, they hit about three uh, stories on it. You know? Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, so when when we have the constitutional expert, Dr. Scott Bradley, with us, and, you know, this is a great time for this. So you've got uh, Donald Trump signs executive order, uh, and, well, orders, as you said, Governor Cuomo, Trump's executive orders are laughable. Hillary Clinton, Trump's executive orders are a stunt. Pelosi, Trump's executive orders are absurdly unconstitutional. Um, it's, uh, uh, then she says, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi slams Trump executive orders as an illusion. Um, and then the uh, Democrats assail them as unworkable. What say you, Dr. Scott Bradley?
7: Well, Nancy Pelosi said something intelligent. Maybe for the first time, we're going to have to mark this in our book, and uh, maybe uh, recall back on it. Um, it's interesting to me that most of the progressives that are out there, and in fact, almost all of everybody that holds office nowadays, say they're inadequate. They should have gone further. There should have been more money involved. They should have done blah 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 blah. They're unhappy to the nth degree, but the the unhappiness uh, is never focused in, except for this one little comment that you just gave about Pelosi, their constitutionality. Uh, See, if we'll violate the Constitution for a given principle, we'll violate it for almost any principle. You know, whether it's violating Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 about going to war, um, oh, no, 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 the president can do all of that, or, or NATO can do it, or the United Nations can do it on our behalf, whatever and engage us. No, no, no. These are baseline principles. And I would challenge anyone to look through the Constitution very carefully, read every word, study, and ponder the things that are in there to find the authority of a president to do what has just been done. Uh, executive orders are, uh, when they're carried out as though they are law. Now, the president can give executive orders, Washington gave executive orders. He might have told his Secretary of State, Thomas Jefferson, to uh, bring a report to him about uh, trade of different countries around the world that uh, might have been tracked based upon tariffs that were being collected, something like that. Within his own department, he can give orders, but he cannot create law. Article 1, Section 1 says that all legislative authority is held by the House and the Senate.
1: Now, let me stop you there. All means? All. All. Good. Okay. Well, just just so we have that okay. straight, because otherwise, guys get confused really quick, right?
7: No, no some that's the problem is that all means all, and and is and alone and stuff like that are um, they're manipulated by some presidents that are dishonest to the core. But the fact of the matter is, the words have meanings. Those meanings can be known. They can only be what they were in the day they were written. They cannot be something else we manipulate today, and and that is the basis of the problem let's just take for example his suspension of kind of sort of suspension of evictions article one section 10 says that the the, you can't mess with with contracts with you know like you and i could make a contract i trade gold for bicycles but fdr came in and says no you can't trade gold for bicycles anymore i'm i'm seizing all the gold he said See, that's it. We had an agreement. It is not fulfilled. All of these things, the idea that you're going to spend money that, first of all, is unconstitutional. You, there's nothing in the Constitution that says the national government can redistribute money. But now president is saying, oh, no, we're going to make this 400 a month instead of 600 Where the heck did he get the authority? Where does the money come from? How was it Constitutionally created, no, it never. With every single step of everything that's happened, and and the problem is, is that we don't have anybody going to the basis and saying, "Wait a minute," he's saying Congress had this a whole opportunity to to correct all of these injustices or problems or challenges, whatever they're facing this, but they didn't do it. Congress didn't have the authority to address any of these things, and and so. You know, the law says, let's just take payroll tax. Let's, that's a that's another abomination. But let's say he suspended payroll tax for a period of time. Now, wait a minute. The law says you take the payroll tax. Whether or not we should have payroll tax is, is absolutely uh, unconstitutional anyway. But, the, but you know, the 16th Amendment is the justification for it. But how does the president, who's, who's got a constitutional responsibility in Article 2, to take care that the laws are faithfully executed, have the right to suspend the law?
1: All right, so I'm going to put a little fly in the ointment in a second just to discuss this. Um, But before we do, I know Kurt's got a fly um, here in just a couple of minutes. But, Kurt, uh, President Trump emailed me about this, and at the end of his um, email, he tells me about all these four things that he's doing via executive order. And then the question becomes, do you support President Trump's four executive orders? to provide immediate relief for Americans. That's what, how president Trump ends his email to me, your thoughts, then we'll let you fly. And we'll, we'll discuss it a little more with Dr. Bradley.
4: Well, you know, I will take, I will say this, that this whole thing is, I mean, the bottom line is it's political. You have to uh, look at the picture. If the president doesn't do certain things, he doesn't get the votes. He can't even, you know, participate in the program at all. Um, And he has learned, you know, the the Democrats were basically using this whole thing uh, to uh, work against him. And he said, hey, uh, I'll just, you know, um, go right past them," And I think he did. Now, I, I, you know, like we've said so many times before, um, when it comes to... uh, executive orders and uh if the president's doing things uh unlawfully you know so much of our government is completely unlawful compared to the, what the constitution says but in the uh circumstances that he's in i say he's probably made a pretty smooth move and the, the you know democrats are pretty ticked off at him which tells me if you've got enemies uh, coming from them uh, that means you're proudly in the right space for right now. You want to respond to that, Doctor
1: Bradley? Then I'll give you my little fly in the ointment stuff here to think about.
8: <laughs> you know,
7: in today's political environment, um, uh, with the lack of knowledge and understanding, you know, that lack of that, you know, historical perspective and that, and the the truths of that are outlined in the in the Constitution. It, it is probably going to work to his political favor, but. Here's the problem. What will we not violate? What virtue will we not take? What life would we not take? I mean, I'm talking about pro-life or not. I mean, whether it's in the womb or when we're sending our people off to war, what uh, would we not destroy in order to have political ascendancy over somebody else? I mean, if in fact this is how we're going to do it, we don't have a constitution. It is a dead word in terms of its application. And and, uh, this isn't the only thing. I mean, I, uh, just since we're we're talking about this particular issue, it's something we can focus on. But we do this at every turn, at every opportunity. There's a violation of principle that ultimately and finally it comes down to this morass that we've got. It's a complete manipulation for political purposes. There's political agendas that are being played out on this thing. And honestly, it's it's destroying the nation. We we won't have a nation to come back to if we continue along this path. And and honestly, I don't see us leaving the path. I think there's I think there's going to be yes, sink. We're all sinking. There's going to be manipulation and one upsmanship politically at every turn, every place along the way. And and I don't see a quick response to our success and our stability in the nation if we continue to violate the baseline principles. That's where we've got to be. If we can't be there, there, there's no
1: foundation. Yeah, then no roads are going to matter. In other words, every road leads to the same place, which is eventual destruction of our liberties. Now, I want to talk about the ideal versus the real for a second. Scott, Dr. Scott Bradley is really highlighting the ideal, and that's where we ought to be. At the same time, Kurt Crosby's highlighting the real. And sad to say, that's where we are. How do we deal with the real and the ideal? And how do we bring them closer together? And is the real question. Kurt, we're going to let you fly. When we come back, Dr. Scott Bradley and I will break this down. I got a couple of thoughts to consider on Liberty Roundtable Live.
8: Liberty is not free. Its costs are innumerable. Without monetary funding, the valiant efforts of freedom-loving Americans become diminished or outright defeated. We present a solution, the Give Me Liberty Fund. The plan is quite simple. Invite individual Americans to contribute less than a dollar a day. These monetary funds are used to promote liberty-minded media, organizations, events, candidates, Movements and speakers. In the spirit of transparency, all expenditures are published. Patriotic business owners provide discounted products and services to Give Me Liberty Fund members. Our greatest strength is in numbers. Go to givemelibertyfund.com and become part of the solution today. Givemelibertyfund.com participate in the peaceful restoration of the greatest and freest country in the world.
1: All right, Dr. Scott Bradley's with us, ladies and gentlemen. com is his incredible website with his collegiate series and book on how to preserve the nation. Boy, howdy, do we need that right now? It's as relevant as it gets. His webinars weekly are incredible. Two Q&As on the Constitution and more. Check them out. freedomsrisingsun.com. Uh, now, Dr. Bradley, I, I get your ideal, and I agree completely. I also understand Kurt's real, and I say, you know what? I, I sadly agree that's where we are. And how do you bring the ideal and the real closer together? And I would say a couple of things comes to mind. Um, I'm not totally excited about executive orders because I believe that executive orders nine times out of ten are horrible. Don't need them. Don't want them. They certainly violate the checks and balances that made America great nine times out of ten or even more. But the president just signed four executive orders. Extending unemployment benefits, which I think is wrong. It's socialism. It's the redistribution of wealth. Now, normally i agree that it's wrong but when the government shuts down everybody's ability to make a living flat out shut down the enterprise system to where nobody can can be free you don't have free enterprise anymore at some point people have to feed their families and if government's going to shut them down constitutionally speaking they need to compensate us for taking away our property which is our ability to make a living and everything else okay um Preventing evictions, I think the government has no authority whatsoever. But again, if they're going to take away your ability to pay your bills, at what point do you, right? Extending student loan relief, I don't think we should have ever had these student loans in the first place. But again, if you're going to chop off my ability to pay my rent, pay my student loans, whatever. Uh, And then this payroll tax. And so on one hand, I don't like it. On the other hand, I look at it and say, well, the payroll tax is unconstitutional anyway. And so if the Congress is going to use their power, To supposedly pass a law that's unconstitutional, I don't really have a problem with the president abolishing the unconstitutional law that should have never been or the law that never was uh, in the first place. So what I mean is it's a mixed-up world. On one hand, you reject this because you say it's socialism and the president has no authority. On the other hand, you say Congress has no authority either for many of these things. And you say, but what do you do when the government literally shuts you down completely from your ability to make a living and bring in any money? Um, At some point, they've stolen your property. That is your, your, your health, your livelihood, your freedom to associate, your freedom to make a living. It's called the free enterprise system for a reason. When that gets intentionally destroyed by the government, now they run around and say it's COVID that caused it. I don't think so. Sweden didn't shut down. It isn't the COVID, unless the COVID knows how to just avoid the Swedes. Okay, it's a lie. The government shut us down. And if the government's going to steal my ability to make money, then they have to compensate me for property loss, do they not? So I'm not defending, really, uh the government in this and i'm not saying that i like the executive orders but i am saying they've created a quandary the likes of which we haven't seen before Uh, unless we just spiral into a revolution if we're going to keep the law and keep the peace in america something has to be done what would be the way out of this And, and so there's kind of the setup for the fly in the ointment and my goal is not to argue about it but to truly think through it from an ideal and a real point of view
7: you know it's interesting, uh you know as your childhood, you probably remember your mom or dad saying, "Too wrong, don't make a right and yeah, the, the idea that government has, has created all these problems it's been we, the people that allowed this to create i mean, I can't tell you how many people are running i don't I, I get the feedback about these people that are saying no we don't we don't have to go back to work we The government will provide everything for us, and it's like you know what they don't understand." Unless a loaf of bread is baked, nobody eats a loaf of bread. And the government has shut it down. Government is the the most powerful mortal force upon the earth. I, I qualify it because obviously God trumps everything, and that's a bad phraseology. But the fact of the matter is government is the most powerful mortal force on earth. When it runs amok, when it involves itself in things that it ought not to be, There is never a good outcome. It always unravels in some way or another, ultimately in timing. And what we're seeing is a continuation of this unraveling. One bad thing leads to another, and each one of them exacerbates the problem. It makes the problem more of a a Gordian knot, more difficult to untie. And and as we continue to manipulate the, uh, the levers of government, on our own behalf, and that's what's happening across this through political agendas, we're going to find that ultimately and finally we don't even have a mere shadow of what our founding fathers gave us at such great cost. And to encourage the continuation of that is only going to encourage the the complete destruction of the nation. Now, the answer, I believe, and I've dedicated my life to this, and goodness knows there's not nearly enough people that are interested in, in the solutions. We have become a people that sell our souls for a mess of pottage, $400 a week or whatever it is, uh, and a, an order to not be evicted that has no justification in any kind of uh, role. The government has overstepped its bounds in every way, shape, and form, and its it's gone on steroids in the last four months. And our, our, our uh, governors and our mayors and our city councils, are are taking this and they're running with it. Our churches are doing the same.
1: I agree completely. But th- the question is, if I if I have the government steal my wherewithal, steal my property, do I have a right for a compensation of some kind?
7: Well, let's let's ask the the program. Okay, so government is stealing your your uh, you know compensation. They've been doing this for years now. Since yeah, like but but,
1: but now happened. it's in totality though, it, almost virtual it, totality, but,
7: right? Should everybody suddenly decide to sign up on the dole, and should everybody say, I'm not going back to work, I'm going to let the government pay for me?
1: No, we, so... We've
7: so... got to educate the people, and the people have got to take the government back. And I fear more and more that there will be revolutionary consequences, and I do not admonish that, I am not seeking that, but there's that's exactly where the people that are destroying our nation want it to go. They want somebody to pull the trigger. And this yes. is the destabilization that's happening right now through Black Lives Matter or, or some other idiot program that they're doing because of masks.
1: Everything. Yeah, And I, I certainly don't think we should sit around and go, we're not going to go back to work. We're just going to be on the dole. Uh, but I also am not so sure that taking just compensation for something robbed from you is necessarily a wrong answer either.
7: But who's getting it justly taken from them? Our grandchildren. See, when you take this money, because there isn't any money left. We've gone six trillion more dollars in debt this year. Six trillion, Sam. Our total. Yeah, we've been
1: 1933. bankrupt since what nineteen thirty three, basically.
7: Yeah, well, probably before that. But before, uh, I mean, think about it: six trillion more debt this year. Our total revenue stream from the nation, when we're in a healthy economy, is three and a half trillion. We've spent double what we brought in. How long can a family or a nation continue that? We can't. They can't That's for sure my my grandchildren are now going to be the ones whose hides they are taken out those kids don't have a vote i can
1: vote yeah so the, the part of the problem vote. though is if we're gonna have blood in the streets because of the <clears throat> the uh moral um oh moral crisis that we've got uh i agree but if we uh, on one hand on the other hand if we don't do something we're gonna have blood in the streets t- tomorrow
7: well uh- And and I fear that we're moving very quickly to that, and I I pray that it doesn't go to that. But but a scenario that, I mean, they they could really, this could spiral out of control. uh, For example, we get blood in the streets, we start a revolutionary process here, and again, all of those elements are being encouraged right now. Then we come out with a mandatory COVID vaccine that uh, that uh, we give first to our military and our first responders. That
1: literally changes your DNA and basically uh, requires aborted babies to make it in the first place. But other than that. Or,
7: or it ends up, that absolutely. But it also perhaps sickens or kills those people. We weaken our, our nation to a point. We've done it economically. We're ruining ourselves. We're destroying our political structures We're ultimately going to be physically not as strong. How how soon is it that a a foreign power doesn't say, hey, wait a minute, these guys are there for the picking. They're ripe. See, see, this is how global government could be implemented. It could be how some of the, you know, you talk about China and TikTok. Holy cow. I mean, what if they decided, oh, man, these guys, uh, everybody's sick in bed with this thing or whatever. See, there are so many scenarios, and I hate to say that I'm suggesting or even stating that it's going to happen, but we weaken ourselves by every step that we take, and the president, I believe, has further weakened the country. I believe that the Congress is working in the country. I believe our courts are at the basis of this, and certainly our governors and our mayors. This is one of those things where it is a death spiral, and it's time for the people to wake up and say that everything's a violation of all our baseline principles, and we need to turn back to the the things that made this nation what it was for a couple hundred years. And and if we continue to feed at the trough, I mean, why not take Pell grants? Why, why not take you know the the latest check for whatever, uh, cash for clunkers or or whatever, whatever comes down the pipe, and we've been doing this for so many years that everybody, everybody is participating in the spoils now, and, and what's going to ultimately happen is that the spoils will be all used up and we'll just be scrapping over the scraps with each other to the point we don't even have a country. It's it's being manipulated horribly now, and I it sounds like I'm a bearer of bad news, but we... No, I think
1: understand. you're right on the point. I just think that everybody's got a line. And, and at some point, you know, you say, what are we, as Evan Bundy wisely asked, you know, what are we to do? Government's running around tyrannical. All the thugs are out of prison. All the good guys are going to prison. Uh, you've got literally the government completely destroyed the free enterprise system to where you can't even make a living now. Uh, and, it, you know, at, at what point? I mean, we got to extract ourselves from this. I believe it's simply violating the commandments of God that have got us in this position. You know, there's a witness and a warning by many. Uh, when the communism stuff came out in the 60s, and when I say came out, meaning started to, to influence America in great measure to where people were alarmed about it, uh, and there was a witness and a warning back in those days about what would happen if we embraced this, would lose our religious liberty, would lose all these things, and now it's upon us. So the real question is, how do we extract ourselves from out from under that rock, and how do we live in the real while focusing on the ideal? It's a tall order, sir.
7: Well, indeed it is. But what what I fear is being encouraged is further feeding of the trough, further exacerbating the problem. And there's got to be a wake-up call. And I'll, I'll make a prediction. I think that, like you say, everybody's got a, a line in the sand or a trip point or something. The ones that will be the first to pull the trigger, if you will, be the most vulnerable. And maybe we're kind of already seeing that right now. With some of this Black Lives Matter stuff that the, uh, the white elite group is is feeding, but but when, as that comes and the trigger is pulled, you're going to see those that that feel the least ability to make a difference will be the ones that will be not just rioting, perhaps there'll be assassination attempts, whatever.
1: I pray but not, but I that predict that you're right. At the end of the but day, we even
7: to start turning back, if people will not go back to the principles, we're going to continue on this downhill avalanche it's not just a few rocks rolling down the hill now we are in an avalanche mode you're right american people have got to wake up we just got to turn the that and i fear most are willing to feed at the trough
1: even the, the wall street system. journal wrote an article that said this how trump can deliver tax relief without congress wsj last quick point what do you think about the idea that if congress passed an unconstitutional law president trump is just temporarily abolishing it and hopefully makes it permanent. Can he do that?
7: The veto power. He's got the veto. Article One, Section Seven. He vetoes it, and and we've got to do that at every turn. He should have vetoed the Planned Parenthood half a billion dollars that he got. I mean, but he signed it, and he's got to start exercising veto, and it's got to be almost epidemic until somebody starts passing something that's constitutional.
1: You're right about that. All right, Dr. Bradley, we're flat out of time. I agree. Returning to the base principles are the answer. It's certainly tough to deliver the ideal when we're in the real so far away. Our prayers are that we're successful.
10: freedomsrisingsun.com, lovingliberty.net, God Save the Republic.